You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. Misty Creek Community Church, do you know that you are highly favored? I mean, you are highly favored. What is it? What does it feel like to be favored? I mean, really, to know that God favors you, to know that he offers you his presence as well as his provision. There's nothing like operating in the sweet spot of God's grace. And that's exactly where we are right now as a worshiping community, by being obedient. And there's a word we need to know in our relationship with Jesus is to be obedient. By waiting on the Lord, he has renewed our strength, folks. And he has given us his vision, his thoughts, his ways, and his will. Because we've remained in touch and in tune with the power of his Holy Spirit. We've not gotten behind God. We've not gotten ahead of God. But we are in step with God, walking with him. And when you're walking in the footsteps of Jesus, there's nothing nor anyone that can come against you. You will prosper. You will move forward. You will be successful. Maybe not by the world's standards, but by God's standards. And that's exactly where we are as a community of faith, as worshipers and followers of the living God through Jesus Christ. And he has something on the very near horizon horizon that he's opening a door for us to go through. And we're going to go through that door. It's a leap of faith. And we have been for over two years leaping forward in faith, but not getting ahead of God on this. We're going to have more information for you next Sunday about where God is leading us next as a church, as our leadership team will be meeting tomorrow night at our home. We're going to have a baked potato bar. Doesn't that sound exciting? That's what I'm focused on the most. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just being honest with you, okay? (laughs) So, going to have some barbecue with it and some chili and, oh, man, I'm just telling you, get thee behind me, Satan, okay? (laughs) But, folks, God is doing something, and you're going to know all about it. We're very transparent as a congregation, and we're going to talk to you about it next week, what God is doing, and we want you to know about it, and we want you in on it. Because we're a family of faith. We're in it together. Thanks be to God. When you were a kid, did you ever fantasize about having a magical being or a a genie in a bottle granting you wishes? Maybe you fantasize about that now. (laughs) You know? What would you do if some magical being appeared to you out of a bottle or something and gave you three wishes? What, What would you wish for? You ever thought about that? I have. Many times, I guess I'm a part of that, that school of thought, how cool it would be to go back in time, like Michael J. Fox, you know, go back in time. But what good would that really do us? But I bet you, if we were given the opportunity, we'd do it, wouldn't we? Just to go back for a little bit, just to see if we could change things. You know, be very careful what you wish for, because you might get it, Really? It reminds me of a story called The Dean's Dilemma. You see, there was this very articulate professor, 
he was at a staff meeting with the college faculty, and he tells of um, this particular story later on in the book that he writes. He says, an angel appears to the college faculty right in the meeting, in the middle of the meeting, and, and, and tells everyone that he has something special in store for them, this, this magical being. And he says to the head of the faculty, the dean, I guess it was, because he was the dean, he says, in return for your unselfish behavior, the Lord will reward you with the choice of infinite wisdom, infinite wealth, or infinite beauty. You may be sitting here thinking, I've got all three. <laughs> got the perfect marriage, too. I don't need a marriage retreat. No, I'm just kidding. Without hesitating, this dean, this professor says, Give me infinite wisdom. Of course, he's a professor. He wants infinite wisdom. Done, says the angel. He doesn't grant anybody else a wish. He just disappears, and everybody's like, How about us? Don't we get a wish? But it was just this one professor. And now the dean turns to everyone, and they're looking at him. And they're like, aren't you going to say something? He's got like this halo above his head. Aren't you going to say something brilliant? The dean stands up, and with a blank expression on his face, looks around the table and confesses, I should have taken the money. <laughs> we laugh. But many of us would have a hard time making a choice between those three things. You know, wealth and beauty are important in our culture. We cannot deny that. It's important in our culture now. They're noticeable. Wealth and beauty are noticeable. Okay? We don't go to the mall and look at average people, do we? We're looking at the beautiful people. Now, I will admit, if we go to the water parks, you see all kinds of people, right? <laughs> and you don't feel so bad about the bikini or bathing suit that you're wearing, but you know what I mean? Probably shouldn't have gone there. <laughs> but we've, we focus on that, you know? The beauty, the wealth. They offer ways to keep score. But wisdom, I mean, what difference does wisdom make? Wisdom doesn't get you a nicer car or a bigger paycheck. Wisdom won't win you any awards or make you the life of the party. You know, oh, there's the wisest guy. The party is now going to start. The smartest guy just showed up. The brain. Nobody really says that. And yet there's so many verses in the Bible about the value of wisdom. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that the way of the foolish person leads to emptiness and even death, while the way of the wise person leads to joy, peace, and eternal life. So if an angel suddenly appeared to you and offered you the choice of infinite wealth, infinite beauty, or infinite wisdom, which would you choose? The choice gets a little easier now, doesn't it? Our Bible passage this morning is written by the Apostle Paul who understood the dean's dilemma better than most of us. Before he became a follower of Christ, he had been, been a member of the Pharisees, an influential Jewish sect that practiced strict, legalistic observance of Jewish traditions and religious observances. That's what they did. We would consider them the stiff pocket praisers. You know what I mean? But when he became a Jesus follower, some would even say a Jesus freak, he gave all of that up. He gave up his influence his respected place in society. He gave up his former occupation. He gave up his community, his home. He gave up his uh, right to travel all over the Roman Empire. You know, he was Jewish, but he was also a Roman citizen. So he was highly respected, highly respected among the church leaders and the Roman authorities. He gave up his safety, his influence, his security. He gave it all up. 
For the remainder of his life, he faced persecution, beatings, and imprisonment, imprisonment for his faith. Our brothers and sisters in Christ right now in Afghanistan are on their knees, some of them getting ready to be beheaded, folks. A place where the church is growing faster than any place in the world. In the Middle East of all places. I mean, there are people, there are Muslim people that are having dreams. And Jesus is coming to them. I'm not talking about a hundred. Thousands, possibly millions, are seeing visions of Christ. And these people, they have good hearts. And they're beginning to receive Christ. And the church is growing and it's my prayer, and Doug and I have talked about this, that those that are under the sword, under the knife, under the gun, for their faith in Jesus Christ, will immediately see visions of heaven. Just like Stephen, the first martyr. They immediately will inherit the kingdom of eternity as soon as that gun is fired or that knife or sword is swung. They will meet the Creator God. And these... Taliban, these dark, terrible people, we would say. With God, all things are possible. You know what God did for Paul, don't you? He hated Christians. He put them under the sword. He had Stephen, named after Stephen, the crown one. My son's named after Stephen. He had him stoned to death. And yet, look what Jesus did. Look what God did can do. And don't you think when Paul made it to eternity to heaven, he embraced Jesus, the one he had seen? And don't you think all those he had persecuted that were there in heaven as well, the applause of heaven. Well done in unison. Good and faithful servant. Don't give up on God and what he can do. You pray for even the terrorist and the evildoers out there. Pray that their hearts would be made new, that they would come to know Christ and his love. I believe if we pray in unison together around the world as believers, it will happen, folks, and his kingdom will shake the foundations of the earth. You see, Paul understood all of this. In fact, the words we're reading this morning, Paul, who had a cushy life, folks, he had it all. He's in prison when he's writing this letter. He's in jail. He's, he's chained. He's been beaten. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He knew the decision to follow Christ had cost him everything. But yet, he gained everything. He spent the rest of his life serving Christ. So it was from wisdom that only personal experience can bring what Paul wrote today. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. They are evil, folks. We live in an evil world. The days are evil. Let's not hide behind that. Jesus doesn't call us to be wimps or quiet or silent. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Exactly what we've been doing this morning, right? 
Exactly what we did. We opened with prayer out there. The worship team had prayer this morning in here. Many of you got up this morning praying before you put your feet on the floor. You were praying. You were saying that wonderful song, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Not let us. I am. I will. <laughs> yes. Don't you love English translations of the scriptures? <laughs> I will. I'm going to. I get to. I don't got to. I get to and I want to. Man, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, even if you can't sing, even if you can't stay on pitch. Make a glorious noise for the Lord, whatever that might be for you. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing that Paul wants us to understand is that the foolish person lives as if there is no God. Can you imagine trying to live life as though God didn't exist? Do you know that this pastor standing before you has done funeral services of non-believers, folks who have denounced God? And I would meet with the family and say, we don't want anything to do with God or Christian, but we want you to do this funeral. I said, well, I'm not your man. I'm not your man then. Because I'm defined by Jesus Christ. He lives within me. I serve him. I, I cannot do this service unless I give him glory. You know what? They always let me do it. Because you remain firm and strong in your faith. Everybody deserves dignity and a celebration of their life, no matter who they are, folks. And that's what I try to do. Do I make any guarantees when I do their services? No. But I can make a guarantee to them if that they come to know Jesus Christ that they can have the experience, not just the experience, but the life that Jesus promises, eternal life, abundant life. Whenever you have an opportunity to share the gospel, do it. Don't back away from it. Don't be ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it has the power to do what it has the power to save. I don't have any power to save, but the one within me gives me his truth, his gospel, his word to proclaim. And I'm going to do that whenever I have the opportunity to do it. So if there is no God, life has no purpose. How many people are going around with no purpose in life? Lots. Millions. If there's no God, then it's perfectly logical for everyone to simply do his, her own thing. Do your own thing. If it feels good, doesn't hurt anybody, go ahead and do it. That's the motto of today. Live the lifestyle you want to live. Be who you want to be. If you want to totally change your identity, go ahead and do it. It's all right. It's okay. That's what young people are constantly seeing in social media. They're so confused by it all. And then they may come to church once a week and hear something in opposition to that, and they don't know. They're like, I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to do. And they may even go to a school that teaches the truth, and yet that still is there. The influence is there, folks. Gosh, he's really preaching that stuff. Who else is? Is anybody preaching and teaching this today? Or are we just compromising and going along with the culture? Let's not hurt anybody. Let's be the church for all people, all lifestyles, all decisions, all choices. I'm just saying. At Mission Creek Community Church, we love everybody. We will love no matter who walks through that door. We will. We'll accept them. We'll pray for them. But if there's sin in their life, just like there's sin in our lives, we're going to seek forgiveness of that sin. And we're going to learn what it means to live a righteous life, a godly life, according to the truth of the gospel. We're not going to piecemeal it. 
We're not going to just give them a portion of it. Hey, just read this verse here. Don't worry about those other ones. Ah, the Old Testament, it's archaic. It doesn't apply to anything today. Oh, just read these Gospels here. Don't worry about what Paul wrote. He was in jail anyway, probably intoxicated. Are you kidding? I've heard teaching like that, folks. He wrote three-fourths of the New Testament, 13 letters. Some theologians say he wrote 15, but only 13 of them got canonized. Who knows what to believe with with those church fathers that wrote all this stuff. But I know what I believe, and it's God's Word, the way it's presented, the way He presented it, folks. And so, do you remember this tragic verse in the book of Judges? Chapter 21, verse 25. In the King James Version, it reads this. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Can you imagine the chaos that ensued from people doing only what seemed right to them? We're living in it, folks. It's chaos, isn't it? Do right what's in your own eyes, you know, however you want it. Okay? If there is no God, then there are no absolute values, no right or wrong. Psalm 14, 1, it says it quite plainly. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And thus the foolish person lives only for themselves and only for the moment. The foolish person doesn't care about the consequences of his or her actions or the legacy they leave behind. Do you know who Warren Buffett is? Warren Buffett is a self-made billionaire, okay? (laughs) One of the richest men in the world. One time, Buffett was speaking at the University of Georgia, folks. Yep. Yeah, I heard you. (laughs) A student asked him for his definition of success. This is part of what Warren Buffett said. I know people who have a lot of money, and they get testimonial dinners, and they get hospital wings named after them. But the truth is, nobody in the world loves them. If you get to my age in life and nobody thinks well of you, I don't care how big your bank account is, Your life is a disaster. You know, that's excellent advice from a man who has amassed more money and power than we could ever dream of. Those things are insignificant compared to being loved and being respected and leaving a legacy of loving God and loving your neighbor. Do you know, do you have any idea how generous this congregation is? I know people say, oh, you've got an affluent congregation over there. Well, maybe so but they're the most generous people I've ever known in my life. It's so true, y'all. You're so generous. You're so giving. And that's why I believe God has favored us. Because we're not hoarding it. We're giving it away. Not only are we giving material away, we're giving ourselves away. Lifting up our holy hands and our holy feet and our whole selves. Absolutely. And God is seeing that. He's observant. He knows your hearts. He does. Mm. You know, for for a while, I was a part of a a prison ministry called Kairos. Maybe you've heard it before. It came out of the Walk to Emmaus, and some of you have been on the Walk to Emmaus retreat and the Christless retreat, which is the version of Walk to Emmaus for teenagers. Karen and I have done them all. Christless, Kairos, Walk to Emmaus, Walk number 11, sat at the table of Matthew. You know, we've, and it's a wonderful ritual. You ever get a chance to do it? There's communities here. It's phenomenal. It's not a cult, folks. People say it's a cult. I'm not doing that. No, it's not. It's wonderful. We were music leaders for it. I was a spiritual leader one time for it. 
And I got a chance to go with some folks to do some prison ministry. I'd never done prison ministry before. And I walked in and God just said, you need to tell people that they need me. That's all you need to do. Just tell them that they need me. I was like, that it? Just do it. And that's all I did. And people were receiving it like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I wasn't quoting a bunch of scripture and telling all these testimonials and beating them over the head with the Bible wouldn't do any good because they might respond back to me in a negative way. They didn't do that. They listened. But there was this one particular prisoner I'll never forget. I was telling him that the thing you need most in your life is God. And I told him a little bit about Paul and Paul being in prison and all that happened to him and that you can be in prison and be a follower of Christ and still make a difference even if you're lifetime sentence here. He says, I don't need God. I need a lawyer. That was his response. I need a lawyer. Hmm. Remember the rich young ruler? I assume that he was a lawyer of some sorts, very successful. So I told that story to him. After I told that story to him, you know what he said? He said, you're right, I do need God. You open up a door with a simple question sometimes and stick with the question. Don't go in there and confuse things and, and give too much and say too much. Sometimes less is more. Less is enough, folks. I'm talking to the youth about that this morning. How because they know God, they have a relationship with Jesus, they're not only enough, they're more than enough. And whatever they attempt in this life, they are more than enough. And I told that prisoner that he was more than enough even before he received Jesus as his Savior that day. That God already loved him, already has proved of him, already accepted him, and would forgive him if he would just ask. That didn't happen in three minutes. That took a while to get to that point, you know. But there are people out there who will say, I don't need God. I mean, they pass us by every day. Empty people, filled with care, headed who knows where. We don't know. We don't know what their purpose is and their plan is. It's right at that moment, just living for that moment, living for themselves. Paul would say that's the perspective of a fool. That's the definition of a fool. My mama said, don't ever say that word. Mama, I'm sorry, I just said it. I said it in a, in a biblical context, though. The fool sees no value in knowing God. The fool wants a quick fix so he can go back to his old life, to his foolish ways. If there's no God and if there's no purpose to life, then the fool has a decision to make. The second thing that Paul wants us to know is that wise folks know that every moment of their life is an opportunity to know God and live in God's will. Every moment, every nanosecond is an opportunity to know God and live in God's will. James Merritt's got a really good book. I recommend it to you. It's called Friends, Foes, and Fools. There's that word again. And he defines wisdom as this. That's James Merritt, if you want to write that down. Friends, Foes, and Fools. He says this about wisdom. Seeing life through the eyes of God and living life in the will of God. I'll say that again. Seeing life through the eyes of God and living life in the will of God. The wise person knows that he or she belongs to God. You're not your own. This, however unsightly it may be, however un un out of shape you may be, 
medical conditions you have going on, you belong to God. Your heart, your mind, your spirit, your soul, your body. All of you, your whole self belongs to God. What would change about your life if you saw life through the eyes of God and lived your life in the will of God? Would it change your attitude, your relationships, your priorities, your work, your future? This is in your sermon notes today. You might want to take this home with you and apply and answer these questions. What would change if I totally lived my life for God in His will? My attitude with my relationships, my priorities, my work, my future. What would change if I was totally sold out to Him? Totally surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, as Tony Evans says. Paul knew that every Christian is like a magnet. You have an opportunity to draw others to God, draw others upward. You have an opportunity to draw others to hope, to truth, to new life. But magnets have the power to attract and to repel. If you claim to be a Christian, but you're still living like a foolish person, then you will repel people away from God. You will waste the awesome opportunity that God made for you, the opportunity to change a life by sharing with them the love and joy of God. Don't be that kind of magnet that you draw people away. You want to draw people to God. Your life, your attitude, the words that you speak. You think you can walk down the hallway at school, you know, throwing the F-bomb all around, and then the next moment you're singing worship music, leading people in prayer? You think that's going to really influence folks? I'm not saying that that happens, but it could. You're out driving on on the road, and you're cussing people out, flipping the bird and everything, and then you're teaching Sunday school or leading a prayer group, or a small group, or trying to set an example for the Christian life. Folks, that's the Christian that Jesus warns us about. That's the one who's lukewarm. Be careful with that. Because if you're not hot or cold, what are you? (laughs) You're lukewarm. What does God do to lukewarm people? Ooh, I don't want to be God's vomit. Do you? There goes Stephen. You know? He had wings last night. Okay. No, God, you had wings because you vomited me out of your mouth. But anyway, I don't want that to happen. But it could if you're not careful, folks. It could. (laughs) Most people, young people at least, know the rapper Chance the Rapper. Chance is one of the most successful artists in the music industry right now. I mean, he is popular. He even performs with Justin Bieber. Chance is one of the most successful rappers out there. He's won a Grammy Award. His concerts sell out. He has an anti-violence. He's an. He's excuse me. He is an anti-violence activist in the city of Chicago and has donated over one million dollars to Chicago's public school system. Professionally, he's a tremendous success. He tells him an interesting story of his grandmother's reaction to his career. In his early days, when he first started to experience some success. It wasn't the best kind of success. He wasn't using the best images and the best words and language. And so his grandmother took him aside and told him that she didn't like the way his lifestyle was changing. She told him that she was going to pray for him. In an interview with GQ magazine, Chance shares his grandmother's prayer. She prayed, Lord, I pray that all things that are not like you, you take away from Chance. Make sure that he fails at everything that is not like you. 
take it away, turn it in the dust. Reminds me of the, the grandmother in War Room. Remember that scene that Doug showed us? Not, that was powerful, wasn't it? What would you think if someone you loved prayed that over you? Do you know there are people who pray specifically like that? Lord, don't let them sleep until they make the decision to follow you or make the right choice, make the right decision to do the right thing. Give them unrest in their spirit until they come to a saving relationship with you. Do they treat this person the right way or make the righteous decision? I'm not telling you how to pray, but I don't see much wrong with that, folks, to be specific about that. What if I prayed over you today? Are you ready for this? Lord, please let my brothers and sisters in Christ fail at any endeavor that is not perfectly within your will. What if I prayed that over you? Some of you probably get up and walk out. How dare you? I like my own will. I like my own decisions and choices. I'll give God his due, but I'm, I'm living my own life. Thank you so much. You might feel that way. Most of you wouldn't come back next week, would you? I have the greatest respect for Chance's grandmother. She cared more about her grandson's soul than his success. I care more about your soul than your success, folks. I do. And I want you to know I'm very happy with you and how you're responding to God's call in your life and how you're serving and giving, your generosity, your faithfulness, your commitment. You see, his grandmother cared more about him knowing God and living in God's will than she cared about offending him. Are you always worried about offending somebody with your faith? About saying too much about the truth? <gasps> Better not do that. What a powerful witness she is to the value of knowing God. And it was this prayer that led Chance the Rapper back into a relationship with God. Many of his song lyrics reflect his faith. A couple of nights ago, I just went on YouTube and I started listening to some of his early music. I was like, whoa, do I want to say anything about this guy? And then I started listening to some of his new music. I'm like, hey, I like that. And one of his songs even talking about being sold out for God. I'm like, huh? Okay, I like that. Thank you, Grandmama. He says... Many of his song lyrics reflect his faith. At his sold-out concerts, he speaks about God and his spiritual journey. His phenomenal success now is rooted in knowing God and living in God's will. Like most wise folks, he knows that every moment of your life is an opportunity to know God and live in God's will. So I thought this would be a very appropriate time for, um, for your pastor to do a tribute to Chance the Rapper. And all the rappers that have gone on before him that I used to listen to back in the 80s, early 90s, I won't go through the repertoire. But I got a special rap just, just for you all. My son's going to probably crawl up under his seat. And that's all right. And I got my DJ over here. Yeah. Well, Jesus, Jesus, he's the man. He's the one with the master plan. He's reserved a place for you and me to spend eternity. Well, he died on the cross to save us from sin. He's by far our greatest friend. So if you read your Bible and you stay true, Jesus will come to you. 
This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to let it slip away. No, I'm not going to let it fade away. He's my Savior and my rock. He's the eternal King of heavenly hip hop. Y'all start doing this, I'll do more. So open your heart and receive his grace. He's the only answer for the human race. You want me to keep going? All right. This is, this is for the boys on the back row here. Keep going. Keep going. This has nothing to do with faith or Jesus. Okay, you know how much I love the Atlanta Hawks? They, they start the preseason in 61 days, folks. I count down things like that. So it goes like this. Basketball is my favorite sport. I like the way they dribble up and down the court just as I'm king on the microphone. So it's Trey Young and LeBron James on his throne. I like slam dunking that takes me to the hoop. My favorite play is the alley-oop. I like the give and go. I like the finger roll. I like to dunk the ball right in the hole. Yeah. I could keep going, but I won't. Give it up for my drummer over here. Grandmaster Flash. Well, probably half of you will come back next week, I'm hoping. I rapped in one church, and the guy came up to me, stone-faced. He said, please don't ever do that again. He didn't crack a smile, nothing. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> I did. I, said, I respected this guy. I said, yes, sir, I'll never do it again. He's probably not watching, thank God. You know... When you know God and live in God's will, then you can't help but be thankful. You can't help but be thankful. You see, every moment of your life is a blessing, a God-given opportunity, every moment. An essential part of living in God's will is living with an attitude of gratitude. I know you've heard that before, but it's true, folks. If you just keep that attitude of thankfulness at all times, you'll be happy. You'll have joy. There'll be less sadness. Paul closes our Bible passage today by writing this. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, I said it earlier, that Paul is writing these words from prison. There's nothing comfortable or predictable or even controllable about his life anymore. He's lost everything that once defined him. And yet... Joy and thanksgiving that flow through his letters are a powerful witness to the truth of God. This kind of thankfulness and joy can't be found in any earthly possessions or power or success or status. This kind of thankfulness is clearly a supernatural gift that comes from knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and having his spirit living in you. When you have his spirit living in you, you can't contain yourself and you might jump up and start rapping. You don't know what you might do. And if the Spirit flows and moves in you, let it be. Dr. Mark Jacobson graduated as valedictorian of his class at Harvard University. He earned his top honors in medical school and went on to study at John Hopkins University. He's the best in his field, folks, the best of the best. And he could have had any job that he wanted in the medical field, the highest paying job at the most prestigious hospitals in the world. Instead, Dr. Jacobson headed to Tanzania to work among the impoverished people there. He was just going to go for like six months or a year. 
He helped find a clinic while he was there, then a hospital. He sees about 35,000 patients now each year. He's been there for over 22 years. He went for six months. He's been there for over 22 years. When asked if he ever thought about moving back to the States to practice in a more comfortable environment, he says he thinks about it at least once every day. But he's not going anywhere, he says. He's been working in Tanzania for over 22 years. And he says that he knows that this is the place God wants him to be. He's living in God's will, even though it requires sacrifices. Why would he give up the money and status and comforts of a medical career in the States to work among the poor citizens of Tanzania? Dr. Jacobson says this. Early on in my faith life, I realized that I had been wonderfully blessed and that I had some responsibility and a call to give some of that back to others. Listen to those words again. I realized that I had been wonderfully blessed. There's a man whose gratitude to God shapes his mission in life. How many of you in, you, how many of you in here have realized that you're wonderfully blessed? Anybody? Wonderfully blessed? <laughs> it looks like all of us. Wonderfully blessed. So which life looks more attractive to you now? The way of the wise or the way of the fool? Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Paul wasn't being harsh or judgmental. He knew that he was keeping his eyes fixed and focused on the author, creator, perfecter, pioneer of his faith. He knew what he was talking about, folks. He was trying to save us from living as if there's no God and as if life had no purpose. It's an empty and meaningless life if we don't have God. Without God, we're living as fools. And it ends as a wasted life. But there's another life available to us. One that is centered on knowing God and living in God's will. A life that is marked by a contagious joy and thankfulness. It's contagious. And the end result of this life is purposeful living. Now and eternal life with God. Purposeful living right now and then eternal life with God. If you want to have this kind of life, then I urge you, I plead with you to pray and ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life so that through Him you can know God's will and way for your life. Would you pray with me? Lord, we know that there are many people right now watching live, people who are just going through the rat race of life every day, Maybe some people outside, maybe some people here that are looking for the evidence. The evidence of you being real, tangible. Not just an experience, but a lifestyle. For you are real, you are touchable, you are tangible through the body of Christ. The body in motion, your believers. And we see you everywhere. The evidence is clear. We see you. And for those 
who have yet to see you. We pray that you would open their eyes today. And if you're one of those people, you're just hanging on, you're living for yourself, you're not sure what your priorities are, you're not sure what your future is, you're living day to day, and you want to know the plans and purposes that God has for you now and for eternity, then receive him as your Savior today. You want him to be Lord of your life in school and at work, in your relationships, all your extracurricular things that you do, even your sports, your leisure activities. Jen, today just release your heart to him. Just say this. Say it like you're talking to him face to face. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. <laughs> my heart, my mind, my spirit, my soul, everything that I am, I surrender it to you. You're everything to me. Let nobody or nothing come in between us. I repent of my wickedness, my sinfulness. I come to you today. Make the evidence clear to me. Speak to me. Fill up my heart with you, Lord, that I know without any doubt you are near right now. Deliver me from this emptiness, the selfishness. Bring me into a relationship with others who know you. Help me to find a Bible-believing, truth-believing, Jesus-worshiping church that will love on me and allow me to use my gifts. If you prayed that prayer today, you are a new creation in Christ. The old you is gone. The new you has come forward. You're a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, the King of kings. Now to move forward, get involved in a church, in a worshiping community, and serve Him. Get into His Word. Start praying. Get someone to guide you through that. Find someone that loves Jesus, and you can grow with them together. You who are highly favored, know that his presence is always with you. That his presence goes before his provision. Sometimes we ask for his provision before we ask for his presence. Always ask for his presence first. Because his provision follows his presence. And that's my prayer for Misty Creek Community Church today. That we would continue to be in step and in tune with his will, with his ways, to seek his presence because clearly he is showing us the evidence that he is near, that he's doing something grandiose on the horizon. He's opening a door, and not only will we walk through the door, we're going to run through it singing hallelujah. Thanks be to the King of kings, the King of glory. I see the evidence. It's clear. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. And all God's children said, Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.